Who are your people? Camp counselors. Uh, Nettie's just fooling around. Yeah, right. I'm just yeah, fooling Kenneth, around. Coaches. Chief Christie, how are you, please? Mm -hmm. She pay you for this? Hey, nice bike. She been smoking, boy. Smoking? Don't smoke. Causes cancer. You know what I mean. Would you just get off a spaceship or something? Columbian gold, man. Grass, hash, the weed. Dig it? Hey, what's he talking about? Hey, don't get smart. Me? I'm as dumb as they come. Hey. A video nasty, 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 a video nasty. Welcome to It's a Nasty World, the podcast all about censored cinema and the video nasties. I am Ashley McNasty, here with my co-host, Elmore 4 and 5. Hello, how's everyone doing? We have a special edition tonight where we talk about Friday the 13th Part 1 and Part 2. And as mainstream as these movies are, they actually made the Video Nasties list in the 80s, so we're here to talk about Friday the 13th um, from 1980 and Friday the 13th Part 2 from 1981. Yeah, and so I guess it's true. What you did say, it's it is, they are somewhat unique on the Video Nasties list in that these were major box office hits. These, uh, I believe Friday the 13th 1 premiered on over 1,000 screens in the United States, made a huge amount of money, and it's a bit unusual because for the most part with the with what happened with a lot of the video nasties is they usually they went after, I mean, to be fair, they went after lower brow films as a whole, but a lot of times they wouldn't really go after stuff from uh, bigger studios. They, they try to stick to kind of the lower stuff, the stuff that was only doing kind of were VHS hits, but not big theatrical hits. I mean, but in this case, I think the level of the amount of gore and violence in the film prompt them like, yeah, we can go after it. It's fine. Yeah. And also, at the time that this came out, I uh, slashers wasn't slashers wasn't as solidified as a genre as it is now because when you t talk about slashers now and the stuff that happens in the Friday the Thirteenth is if you've been watching horror movies long enough you see you will uh, you would see nothing but uh, cliches and stereotypical stuff to happen in horror movies but what's interesting about the friday the 13th movies is that these these are the movies that started the slasher cliches in particular i wouldn't say it's the very first slasher film although there's many definitions and a lot of debate on what is truly the first slasher film but this one really defined the genre and also started a lot of the general stuff you see in horror yeah. movies today it's it's because I mean, you do have some of the earlier films, like, uh, I've heard the first one is, you know, like, gets cited a lot is, uh, maybe Black Christmas, uh, I think, I forget, that's from earlier in the 70s, then you also have, uh, obviously, Halloween is, like, by and large considered, like, okay, this is, like, the first proper slasher, you also have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but those are all kind of, like, blips and dots and kind of few and far between, it wasn't really this connected, but by the time you have Friday the 13th comes out, that's... Halloween establishes many of the rules of the genre. Friday the 13th cements those rules. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's the origin of Friday the 13th is so... It, I mean, it's interesting in that it's... What it was was, hey, let's make a hollow... Let's rip off Halloween. This was popular and big, but you know how Halloween had 
basically no gore in it whatsoever. Let's do the opposite. Let's get gory as hell. Oh yeah, and they they did really went all out with the gore. I mean, they got um, the gore master Tom Savini, which I think uh, he actually I think from these this movie he really started solidifying himself as a big name in the horror industry. Yeah, because he established himself already with uh, George Romero and specifically Dawn of the Dead. But I know from his own comments that he was um, dissatisfied with uh, the, some of his work on Dawn of the Dead, partially because just particularly with the fake blood in that film, just because, I mean, if you've seen that movie, it does not look like blood. It's like this orange red, like surrealistic, like, oh yeah, like we got the wrong ink in the comic book coloring kind of, yeah, like look to it. So this time around, he was able to really put in the work he wanted to and like, okay, we got good, like, visceral-looking blood. It's it's the right shade. It's also the right consistency. It's not too thin. It's just goopy enough. And like, it really shows in the film. Yeah, I would say the uh, practical effects of Friday the 13th Part 1 still hold up really well. Like, oh, even Because yeah. even sometimes when you watch old classic horror movies, you'll see a lot of um, shoddy effects that don't hold up. But actually, re-watching it tonight, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a bunch of parts where I, where I was thinking, like, that looks so fake like i would say the practical effects were done quite well in this movie especially because yeah this is definitely an effects driven film uh spoiler alert the entire film is based around is solely based around the kills and you with kind of interesting little you know with kind of just some filler in between but it and but the kills they deliver on the kills and they come up with very creative ways that they really had not done in film before because part of this whole thing was they wanted to show the audience something they hadn't seen before. And so, like, uh, it's like, well, we'll get into some of those as the film goes on here because, well, we're going to have a little confession here. There's not really quite that much to talk about with these movies as far as the plot goes on because it's primarily just based around the kills. Oh, yeah. And... Partially, also, it's through the genesis of the film itself because it was we have the idea of let's make a Friday Thirteenth ripoff, let's make it gory. No, 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 no sorry, sorry, a Halloween ripoff, and let's make it gory. And how about this? Let's use the name Friday the Thirteenth. That's a name that we can sell a movie on. Do we have a script? Um, uh, no. That you know, that's okay. We can go from here. Let's just start developing the script, and we'll get the funding ready here. Yeah. So. Yeah, we just like uh, we're, we're gonna we'll figure it out as it goes along. So by the time they actually get on set here, they they had a quote unquote script, uh, mostly just based around the kills and a lot of the dialogue and activities kind of in between to show that these uh, counselors actually are at a camp and doing camp like activities. Uh, something is happening. We're just largely improvised. Yeah, and given given the um, the creators of the creator of Friday the 13th, you know, his film history before he produced last house on the left and two porno movies. It's pretty after. So it's pretty impressive that shortly after that, he ends up working on Friday the 13th, which is one of the most iconic horror movies of all time. It's one of those, those horror movies that, 
you know, even if you're not well-versed in horror, you at least know this movie exists. So that is yeah. a very impressive feat. And also, this was made on a shoestring budget, and Paramount picked it up, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I, um, I think this is one of the... I think one, I don't know. I don't think it was the first independent film to get picked up by a major studio, but it, pro, it was one of the first independent horror films to get picked up by and bought by a major studio. I think they said something like when Halloween came out, it it, it played on just a fraction of the screen. It made, it made a lot of money, but only played on a fraction of the screens that Friday the Thirteenth came out with. When uh, I guess you know the the director and producers of the film were kind of shocked and amazed when they found it. it's like, oh my God, not only did Paramount pick it up, but this is going to get shown on like a thousand, uh, on a thousand screens on like when it opens, this is like this, and it turned out to be a huge hit of a film. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. And one thing I was, uh, you know, saying earlier that I, I want to get back to is that this, this is the horror movie that molded cliches of horror movies. You know, the, I, you know, there was like, uh, even stuff that happens at the beginning of the movie we're, when we're talking about the movie, movie proper, you know, these, um, it, there's some camp counselors and they're going to work for this place. And there's a character named Ralph who, um, appears, who appears a couple times in the, uh, in both Friday the 13th movies. And he, um, you know, he shows up and he's like, I'm a messenger from God. You're all doomed. Get out of the camp. You're doomed. And that was something that has been used to death in horror movies. But it's a cliche, but it wasn't cliche when it was happening because this was one of the first movies to do the the yeah, whole Death Omen course, character. And especially it's, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, what we would call in the past, like, you know, like the drunkard, the town, like the. The tramp, the drunkard, you know, he's got the old fedora. Like, you know, it seems like, like, uh, you know, like, uh, don't pay attention to him. He's crazy. But it's like, no, there's doom. You're all doomed. And you'd think, that, oh, did this happen in earlier films? Like, didn't this happen in Texas Chainsaw? Like, no, actually, it didn't happen in Texas Chainsaw. And like, oh, but didn't that happen in Evil Dead? Like, no, no, they just drive out to a cabin in the woods. No one tells them not to do that, though. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the uh, you didn't have the, the harbinger of, of doom or the herald of doom, you know, telling them that they will die. Yeah, so that's something from Friday the 13th that got taken into many other movies. And the whole formula, I mean, the whole formula of the, you know, the campers going to a remote location, they start drinking, partying, and having sex, and they get killed off one and uh, one by one. Um, by the, by a killer and as as cliche and kind you know if you're a see if you've been watching horror movies your whole life if you it like if you watched every horror movie from eighty five to now I mean, and then you like watch this you if know, you've seen a slasher film any slasher film like in between nineteen eighty and now you've seen the formula yeah you've seen the formula but this is the one that that perfected the formula created the formula and you know even though it was done as a take on um like a ripoff of halloween it really took on its own life and it really did its own thing with the premise for yes. sure so basically we get the the teens all coming to camp crystal lake to with of course there's also seemingly no one else there they're all just supposed to be counselors there's 
I don't know who's actually, it's funny, they never actually address who's running the camp or who's like going to be paying them or anything. They just kind of show up and start doing the thing. Okay, it's fine. No, we're, we're not here for an in-depth story. We're like, we're here to see them all get killed. And amongst those uh, is notably Kevin Bacon is in this film as one of his early film roles. I think he'd been, he'd been in a couple films before this. I remember he was, he had a uh, brief but memorable part in Animal House yeah. and, uh, yeah, of course, you know, he broke out a couple years later, has big breakout role in Footloose, but it's like, here's like, oh, yeah, you actually get, like, some prom- prominent Kevin Bacon here. Yeah, well, another thing that really speaks to how iconic the Friday the 13th series is that, like, Kevin Bacon was in this movie, but everyone forgot that. And That's mo- true. <laughs> like, no one, like... Whenever whenever people talk about Friday the 13th, they talk about Jason. They talk about Jason's mom. They take they talk about about the gore and the cool intricate kills that go on throughout like the like I think there was like 12 films in the Jason universe. Like there was a lot. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah it was there there was a lot of movies. Yeah, it's with double Jason digits now. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. And um Look but, out James Bond, Jason's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I, I know what you're saying with that. It's like, it's always like, especially even like with, it's always very notable that like people, whenever people talk about uh, like Halloween, it's like, yeah, Michael Myers, shortly followed by, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. But then this, I mean, to be fair, she is in most of those movies and very prominently. So in, in this case, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, Kevin Bacon's in this movie. That's yeah. Yeah. Just a funny yeah. little fun. Yeah. Fun. Just a kind of fun little fact. And also, uh, just gonna say looking fine yeah <laughs> yeah he's got some, he's got some daisy yeah first scene he's got daisy dukes on so <laughs> yeah and you pointed out that there's uh kevin bacon was in uh ukrainian color speedo so i guess that's a thing i didn't <laughs> notice that until you pointed that out right exactly no see this is this is kind of like the uh the whole oh yeah you know stanley kubrick secretly shot the moon landing and secretly uh left clues in the in, in, in secretly left clues in the shining for us to discover it's like no see i my theory on this one is that friday the 13th is actually a prophetic film telling us about uh kevin bacon representing ukraine and of course uh uh jason representing the 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 horrible slavic russian threat <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my take on it. I mean, uh, I haven't fight me. I haven't seen you smoke any weed, and this concerns me that you just had those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, it's uh, you know, yeah. This is you know, honestly, you just you really need to look deeply into film to 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 figure because a lot it, it's called subtext. All right, they don't they don't lay out the message on the surface that's it, that's a little day class a all right it, it, a little too pedestrian it, it, this is more of a thinking man's film right? <laughs> uh, which um we're definitely joking this is definitely the opposite of a thinking man's film no because... this is like this is perfect honestly these movies are so perfect just to put on, on at a party and just like let go and just completely talk over them and occasionally look over as a good kill happens yeah i don't I don't think I've ever heard anybody start spouting off quotes from the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah, there's, honestly, that is the thing. There's really, they're really not, there's nothing, there's no quotes to say of it all. So, and so, throughout the film, there's a series of interesting kills uh, that happen. I think one of the notable, I think one of the really notable kills that happens is with, is Kevin Bacon's death, is that he gets 
stabbed through the neck with a uh, like an arrow. Or, it's like a spear. Yeah, spear or an arrow of some sort. And it's not through the neck, down through his... It's, uh, he's lying on a bed, and it comes up through the bed, up through his throat. Yeah, and that hadn't been done before uh, before that movie, and... Honestly, that's still that's still probably one of my favorite Jason kills, and I'm someone who's seen every Jason movie, and that's still one of my favorites. No, it's impressive. Such good, great effects, originality. And, you know, yeah, because this because because the film was so effects driven, this that was kind of an that was an invention of Tom Savini, and because he was noting, yeah, no, they've they've done plenty of films where they've done. Uh, like, you know, kind of impalement and stabbing through the chest, but we want something that was going from underneath. That was a bit more tricky. So they were able to get like a, a torso and neck mold, you know, that they would kind of slide Kevin Bacon into, kind of have like a false bottom in the bed. And then, but because it was really expensive, they only had one shot to do it. So once that, once that arrow pierced through his neck, that was it. The take had to be good. And so I guess Tom Savini was under the bed with a kind of with a pump and a blood pump to, you know, to pump the blood through. Uh, the tubing came out of the pump and like, oh, oh, crap, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So, you know, there's still blood in the in the tubing. So he just puts his mouth on it and starts oh. to, like it just blowing blood up of it. And of course, this fake blood was made with um, some co- some chemicals that were used in um film development to create the right, right consistency. Very hazardous. Yeah, very hazardous. So, of course, he had to immediately wash his mouth out after, you know, profusely afterwards, but partially because he was able to get the good blood, he was able to blow in it, he was able to do, make it kind of be like, oh, pulsing blood coming out, and it, it looks really good. Yeah, and there's another kill, which, th- which this fake blood, I think you were, you were saying earlier that somebody went blind for yeah. a whole month from the, uh... Yeah, so it was the guy who gets, um, he's, you know, when we find him, he's pinned up, you know, hanging from a doorway, you know, kind of with several arrows through him. You know, he's, he's impaled against the door, has several arrows through him, and an arrow through his eye. And I guess what they said is that fake blood had gotten under the prosthetic that was uh, pasted over his eye. And, you know, he's like, oh, God, I can't see, I can't see. And so it's like, okay, we've got to take you to the hospital, take you to the hospital. And they're, you know, it's like, hey, can you see the shining light in his eye? Can you see this? No, I can't see anything at all. So it's like, oh shit! Like so, he said he went completely blind in that eye for a month. Luckily, he did regain full use. He did regain full sight in his eye, and he's totally fine now. And luckily, they have changed how they made, uh, how they make fake blood, and so they can do it much safer without any uh, seriously caustic chemicals in it. Yeah, well, and also keeping in mind that this was a low budget film, so they were probably using some of the the homemade brew for fake blood they wanted it to be realistic but also cost effective because i think they had oh, little yeah. they, they had, had a very small budget i want to say film. this movie was like a fifty thousand dollar movie uh it, it, it was very it was very small it, like they so just and oh and part of the money was uh secured through uh i think it was yeah, so it was a director, Sean uh, Cunningham. Uh, he wouldn't really give a whole lot of detail about this in interviews, but he would just kind of say, "Yeah, I, I knew a guy. You know, there's a guy I knew in Boston. He said, you know, he would carry. You know, he's the kind of guy who would carry. You know, a lot of you know, rolled up uh, hundred dollar bills, rolled up in rubber bands, and carry them around. Basically, heavily implying that this guy was probably connected with organized crime in some way. And so he put up quite a bit of money for this movie." Uh, and, uh, 
so yeah so yeah so it's like okay interesting to have a little bit of mob funding for it and i guess that uh gentleman in particular is also responsible for the ending of the film where in which which was they went went back in and did another shot because that was Uh. not part of the original where you have the turns out the real Jason Voorhees jump out of the water and grab the last girl out of the boat. Yeah, so... That was upon his insistence because he didn't like the original ending. Yeah, so, you know, th- there are a lot of people who haven't seen all of the Friday the 13th movies. Like, like you know, people only saw Freddy vs. Jason or maybe one of the later sequels. Yeah. They think that in, the, that in the first Friday the 13th that it was still Jason. But Jason is not the killer yet in this one in fact they even referenced that in scream where she gets the uh killer wrong and i think the i think ghostface kills yeah, the boyfriend because right. it's like it wasn't jason it was jason's mom your boyfriend's <laughs> dead now <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it, it's great because um they reference the you know they throughout the film they reference you know a boy who drowned you know at the camp a long time ago but the they really don't, and you can kind of tell that you you know that's going to be connected with the killer in some way, but they never really even imply that it is Jason. I mean, the the entire concept of that you think it's going to be Jason Voorhees in this is a bit more of a, it's an assumption in hindsight. It's because that character has become so iconic and so attached to the series as it, you know as a whole that oh yeah of course you know Jason is just the killer in all the movies right it's like and you'd think that the film would just imply that it's this Jason Voorhees character you know who's haunting the lake but it, this first film never even implies it all the shots of the killer are just are from a it's all the shots are usually killer's point of view i think this is also one of the earliest uh uses of steady cam or they you know a lot, you know, it's a, you know, it's free floating camera. It's clearly someone holding it. It's not on a tripod or a dolly. And, you know, it's usually from the killer's point of view. Uh, so like, they never really give it to you. Uh, they never really let you know who it is kind of till the very, very end of the film. And even in, you know, part two, which we watched also, you know, Jason, I mean, Jason, who is the killer in that one, doesn't have the iconic hockey mask. That oh yeah, I was, part three. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, you you don't see it until part three, but apparently after part three, I think no, not apparently, definitely after part three, everybody got so hooked on the hockey mask that it was like everything involving Jason, he needs to have the hockey mask. But if you're watching part one and part two. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get the hockey mask, unfortunately. And those are the those are the only ones that made the video nasties list, so those are the only ones we're covering tonight. Yep. Sorry, no hockey mask Jason here. No, ho- yeah, this it's... is a hockey mask. This is a hockey-free podcast tonight. <laughs> there will be no hockey of any sort. Exactly. Do yeah, it's like no, no, we're not. Even, we're not even gonna mention Wayne Gretzky. I just did, but we're not doing it. Yeah, so, we're not gonna talk about hockey anymore. We're not gonna even use the word hockey. Yo, fuck the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm. I really apologize. I have family in Michigan. Go Red Wings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know enough about hockey to even know what you're talking about. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, even in the second film, most of the kills are all. POV shots, point of view shots. So it's only in like the very end of the film does it kind of break from that and finally reveal that oh this it's Jason Voorhees, but he just has like a bag over his head, like a pillowcase with one eye hole cut out. Yeah, I think part of the um, 
the kind of because I think the uh, bag over the head Jason is kind of a lame concept, but I think that was a result of the fact that the first one did so well in the box office that they just immediately rushed to make a second one and they filmed it. And I think they literally released it the next year. So you can imagine about how little time was spent on Friday the 13th part two. So I feel like they were like, they were in a rush to put out a screenplay, a script or whatnot. And then they were just like, uh, what are we going to do for the killer? I don't know. Just throw a bag over his head and cut an eye hole out. Like, yeah, right. it's kind of lame, I mean, it, actually. It, it is pretty lame, too, because uh, in it, it is kind of notable that in part two, uh, it is, the the kills really aren't as interesting, uh, and the effects, and like the practical effects from the kills um, really don't look as good. Be, well, because Tom Savini wasn't involved. And uh, Sean Cunningham, uh, the original director, uh, wasn't involved at all. So it it was, I think at that point, it had just been, you know, kind of taken over by probably production teams at Paramount. And just like, yeah, this worked out a quick one. I guess Tom Savini would come back for part four. But uh, I think he had moved on to greener pastures and had had enough work that he wasn't really like... uh, super concerned about trying to squeeze in Friday the 13th into his schedule. Yeah. Well, and I think Tom Savini and, and I have no, there are no sources saying this, but I'm, I could imagine Tom Savini with his brilliance was just kind of like, like didn't want to jump into a rushed sequel. Cause it oh, seemed, yeah. cause it seemed like, you know, just there's so much about this that screams like they rushed it. Yeah, it, it, a, it. This is cash grab. Yeah. This is cash grab. I did like at the beginning when the protagonist, so we're going to go on to Friday the 13th part two. And uh, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess the one, the other really, really good kill is um the axe to the face. Oh, in part one? In yeah. part one. Yeah. Because that, that one looks really real. I, I guess they said in the effects, I think they, uh, they had tried using a dummy head, and it just really didn't look that good. It just looked very obviously fake. So what they did was, uh, you know, kind of through some editing without actually showing it go into her face, they just, like, they used the prop axe and literally just glued it onto her face. So that way, that's why it looked so real, because they're like, okay, that actually was just sticking in the real actress's face. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, and it looks good. And, yeah, yeah it's, yeah... Part one, definitely worth watching. Uh, if anything, just for the... I mean, you're watching it just for the kills. The kills are good. What else yeah. can we say, folks? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the fun of the Friday the 13th movies. Of course, Siskel and Ebert, uh, they really <laughs> didn't like... The, oh, yeah. They, oh, they're so funny. Yeah, they, they like... Um, you know, and going back actually into, you know, the video nasties, you know, I think Siskel and Ebert were a big proponent of promoting the, the video nasty laws. Like they were seen yeah. really for it and they were really hell bent on the destruction of these films. And even to the point to where they literally publicly yeah, doxed. Si- yeah. Gene Siskel in, uh, yeah, in in his in his review, because both of them wrote for different papers. They did the show together, but the Siskel and Ebert wrote for different uh, newspapers. Yeah, Gene Siskel literally doxed um, uh, the actress who played Jason's mom. He he published her address and told people to send, basically send you know let her know about their dissatisfaction with the film. And it's like, good lord, can you imagine if someone did that today? Oh yeah, they. That's... I mean, I think they would. They might risk losing their job by doing that. I mean, that's that's like it's so unethical. 
Yeah, and especially for like, what did she do wrong? She was an actress and found a she was an found actress. a role in a movie and took the role. And the movie got distributed to Paramount. I mean, who's not gonna take that movie? <laughs> well, I think to be fair, to be fair, uh, in some of the making of stuff we saw for this, no one on set thought that anyone would see this movie. Oh, no, you know, yeah, that, that's that, right. This was almost universal. That was like. Uh, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, even though there's a sex scene in this, yeah, I'll do it because no one's going to see it. Yeah. Which also very funny for the sex scene. Um, yeah, both Kevin Bacon and the actress uh, both just got stoned for it because it's like, okay, we're, we're nervous for this. Let's just chill the fuck out. So we're just going to do this one stoned. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and uh, the actress played uh, you know, Jason's mom in it. She only took the film because her because she needed a new car because her old car broke down. And it was like, <laughs> oh, she, and I guess she just like, she was just like, ah, oh, being this piece of shit. I just, I need some money to pay for a new car. This'll, this'll do it. I just need to be on set for like a week, big, you know, for like a week or less. Big deal. <laughs> I bet ever all the teenagers said she just swore like a sailor the entire time and just was like very pissed off to be here. But at the same time, it's like, ah, eh, whatever. But she did at the same time, very professional on set and yeah. just, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like no one thought anyone was going to see this. Yeah, or what's what's funny too is after what the fact that I I know they were smoking weed on set. There were some scenes where I'm like, where I'm like, you can kind of tell there's some dialogue that's just literally stoned babbling, which is pretty funny when you know that. Yeah, it's just stoned improv. And yeah, it's, it, a lot know, of the movie is improv. Yeah, because you know, and kind of it works. Yeah, it works. It gives a, it gives a little bit of a naturalistic tone to so just some of the banter in between, even though it's just it's mostly just kind of dribble. But uh, get a little bit of you know just. Gives that little atmosphere to it. Yeah, actually, it does kind of give a little sense of realism because it does feel like these people really know each other and they're actually yeah, partying. Yeah. So I think it definitely worked for the movie. I thought that was that was actually a good move on yeah. making this movie in particular. Yeah, because even though there is no real character development to any of the characters, the, I guess the one thing is it, it none of their acting comes off as particularly wooden. It all seems it does seem very naturalistic and just like yeah, like they, these people actually are friends, like you were saying. Yeah. So let's move on to part two here. Yeah, we said we were earlier, but yeah, we but, were stoked about well, Friday Thirteenth Part well, One. Let's though. See, I guess say there's really not a whole lot to say about Part Two. It's it's the, yeah, the, uh, the, there's there's really not a whole lot here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. We start the movie off, and um, we have the uh, final girl from the first movie who survived, and she finds Jason's mom's head in in the fridge. Or I don't think it's Jason's mom's head. I think it's just a head in her. It's fridge. just a. Yeah, uh, no, because because Jason's mom's head comes back at the end of the film. Oh, okay. In a little shrine that Jason's built for. This is just. A head in the fridge. Yeah. In, in, in my defense, the heads look kind of similar for some yeah, reason. I think they use honestly, the same. It's because uh, the effects in this film just don't quite look as good. It just, yeah, this yeah. movie was very rushed, and it was rushed. I mean, a movie, a movie that's you know going to be this big coming out a year later. Like, I think. I think they should have taken a little more time on this movie if that's something I uh, want to take apart. I, think, I mean, at the same, I suppose so, but I think for what they were doing here is like, you know what? This is a cash grab. This is popular. Let's spit another one out. We still got people's attention. Yeah, definitely. So, and um, this kill at the beginning, I did like the ice pick through the head. You know, yeah, little, that's like, right. Like I thought that was a cool looking kill. That was like that was that was one of the. One of the few kills that were that I actually thought were good. The kill, the kills, kind of, 
get a little bit lamer in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, and and frankly, the movie after those kind of, that kind of initial kill, it, the movie kind of takes its sweet time getting going. It, a lot of it is just like just kind of banter between campers at Camp Crystal, the camp counselors at Camp Crystal Lake again, and with a new set of campers and stuff and. It's like they're still not really developing character very much. There's nothing particularly interesting going on here. Yeah. Uh, I think I kind of noted it was around the halfway mark of the movie. Kind of has there only been like three kills in this? I and, mean, it's like and half, it, the, movie half the movie is already over. Half the movie's over. It's like because the, the, the first movie moves along at a, at a much more balanced, a much better clip. Kind of like the time between the kills is is much better spread out i mean obviously they need to let the film get going a little bit first but they kind of get they get to kill in um pretty early on in the first movie whereas this one it's like there's some long stretches where there's really not a whole lot going on yeah there's a recommendation about jason movies that i don't think i've i will ever give to any other film series in history because by part four and five, I'm, I'm going to quickly reference because we're not going to go in depth of these movies. They become a lot more self-aware and they start to know that I feel like they truly know what you're here for and they just give you what you want immediately. They start the movies off with kills. Like the first three, there's like, there's kind of like dead air and fodder for the film, but it seemed like later on as they got more budgets, a bigger budget and more special effects, they just give you a lot more in your face kills. And yeah, it's, it's, this is the first movie where I'm like, yeah, maybe you should start with part four four you know it's like, yeah actually i mean there are certain it's like you know what yeah you can just kind of maybe skip around some of them yeah you can you like don't really feel the need to go in order here i mean there's not a particularly deep lore to these films it's just you know and Jason comes back. Yeah, yeah. that's just he's he he'll just resurrect somehow. Who really well, yeah. gives a shit? Yeah, they kind of phone in like random weird ways later in the series. So, you know, it's and that's one thing that makes this ultimate party movie is like if you only had access to part six, you could pop it in and get the same thing. Same exactly. Effect, it's you like know. at this point, like, who doesn't know who Jason Voorhees is just through cultural osmosis, even if you've never seen any of the films? Oh, yeah. It's it, like, I mean, come on. You, like, yeah, songs, pop culture. I mean, just like, yeah. come on, just like, even just like, yeah, people, like, people know the big, even if you've never seen a slasher movie in your life, it's like, yeah, people know who Jason is. They've seen, yeah, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. Like, yeah, okay, these well, are familiar it, faces. We know who these are. Never seen a single movie, but I can tell you who these characters are just because I've seen Halloween shops before. Yeah, you go into any uh, spirit Halloween, and one thing you're guaranteed to find is the Jason Voorhees iconic hockey mask and sometimes they put like little fake blood stains on it or they make it kind of dirty and scary looking or they make it the unofficial jason Voorhees hockey mask where it's simply hockey mask where it's simply labeled hockey mask killer (laughs) oh yeah that's right so so they don't so they don't get sued by friday the 13th so they're just like uh hockey mask killer i wonder who that could be oh i i I love generic i i love going to spirit halloween stores and just looking up the generic cost the generic costume titles especially like you know like a borat costume it's like foreign reporter costume (laughs) (laughs) like shit like that 
<laughs> Guy with knives for fingers. <laughs> Who could this possibly be? <laughs> yeah, so going into this, so Ralph comes back, so he's so what's what's kind of funny is we were talking about how there's not really reoccurring characters in this movie. It's like the the only two people that show up from the first movie get killed immediately. So we first get the final girl from the first one is murdered immediately. And then the next kill is the Ralph guy who ran around in the first movie warning everybody that, oh, it's got a curse. I'm a messenger from God. You're all doomed. He gets killed. He kind of gets killed like yeah, he gets, wired. Yeah, he gets garroted by a uh, piece of uh, barbed wire. Yeah. Which uh, uh, could have been more impressive. It's, I don't recall there being a particularly a lot of blood with that one I just, I, yeah they could have gone harder they, on that they, they they phone it they phone in the the practical effects with the kills in this movie it's yeah it's a little disappointing yeah um and you're you you were happy to see a cop get killed with a hammer though. oh yeah no it, uh, this film is a cap yeah it's a third <laughs> kill third kill in the film you know cloth youth hammer to the back of the head still it's like i mean okay cool but it's as a terms of effect it's like yeah we've seen better already so i mean yeah. maybe this whole series is a cap because there's always a final girl there's never a final cop the cops never save the day i mean sure it's, if that's a subtext to the film it's it's well i think it's part of the whole I mean, you could argue a couple different. I mean, you could view this a couple different ways. In the in the light of the Reagan '80s, it was one of those things where like you can't trust the cops. The only thing you can trust is a good guy with a gun. You know, kind of <laughs> a thing. It's like self reliance. You know, independence kind of shit. Or it can be like more societal systemic problems the cops can't help you reform is needed you know? yeah. <laughs> or it's like it's beyond reform abolition now yeah and then on the notes there's a machete throat slash i can't tell you for the life of me which character it was so you know i mean although character development is never a thing in these movies we're not here for that and if you are at a, watching a jason movie for character development and dialogue i'm sorry what are you doing here <laughs> I, uh, you, you must be a, I don't, you must be a very confused person who's just like never seen a movie <laughs> yeah basically. or just like you've seen one movie and it like you, you've seen one movie. I don't, uh, fuck it. Hand <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th. It's a romantic comedy about a guy with bad luck. <laughs> I don't know, but he keeps coming back for more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he also plays hockey. <laughs> He's a hockey player, but he just never seems to have luck with the ladies. <laughs> well, no, what this is also actually, I would argue, maybe not luck with the ladies, but uh, I would argue that when the film Jason X, the one where Jason goes to space, um, that that film is actually an incredibly queer movie, and what it is is a because Jason gets frozen and then discovered in the future by spacefaring humans and you know uh, he gets thawed out and of course what you see across him is a rainbow through a prism shining upon him and he is confronted with aggressive heterosexuality all around him and he reacts very violently to this being imposed on and around him so i would argue that the film actually is not oh the classic the oh it's the slasher must punish you know the teens for having sex it's like no 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 he is punishing heterosexuals for shoving it down his face mm. so that's that's me on Jason X yeah so uh 
Jason based? Yes. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I would argue yes. Like, you know, I'm sorry, uh, next year's GLAAD award goes to Jason Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, Jason Voorhees just been announced as uh, one of the uh, one of the grand marshals in uh, the Pride Parade next year. I mean, honestly, I've never heard Jason say anything transphobic, homophobic, ableist, racist, sexist. I've never heard Jason say any of those things. I mean, I've never heard him say anything at all. But at the same time, what you said still holds true. It's it's still very true. I you know I think all his actions speak for him. Yeah, he lets his actions speak for him, a true activist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, do we have anything else to say about these? Uh... Um, I have, um, I want to say, I'm just going to say, the they tried to redo this, the spear kill from the first one. They failed at it, but I've got to oh, yeah, say... Oh, yeah, it's really lame. But a really tasteless, but I thought was a cool kill. I know... I know, actually, I think, um, yeah, I think Siskel and Eber got really mad about this. Oh, scene. yeah, they got pissed. Yeah, there's a guy in a wheelchair who gets a machete to the face, and then he rolls down a flight of stairs with a machete, like, shoved in his head. Yeah. So, I thought it, I thought the effects on that were really cool, and besides you know, actually, that... Actually, that was one of the decent kills in the film. It just happens to be a very ableist killing. Yeah, and then, you know, we get, yeah, I mean... You could, I don't even think the endings that worth talking about. You could just watch the whatever. Movie. He gets killed. He comes back. Whatever. I mean, yeah. it's like it's. Yeah, I mean, if you truly want to know, go watch the movie. Uh, I, I don't think we have anything particularly to add to that. Yeah, and I believe that it was uh, video nasty due to a lot of the gratuitous violence. I, I think that's pretty much what. I mean, let's be the this, this one's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of, there's a lot of blood and gore. At yeah. least in the at least in the first one, and uh, I guess you know, kind of a you know, just like coattail the second one along with it too. Yeah, because I mean, some of these movies they have like kind of political or social reasons, but I think they were just like, this is really violent. There's a lot of gore. We don't want our kids seeing this. So we're labeling it a video nasty. So yeah, we didn't get too much into the video nasty element of it, but I, I, I mean, I it's, think fair, it was, it's fairly obvious. Yeah, it, it seems like it was just thrown in without question. Uh, but you know, I think it did so well that I don't think any like the creators cared what the UK thought of it. They did made they made so much money. Yeah, well, keep in mind, I, I I don't know how it played theatrically in the UK. I mean, my guess is it probably did, but this was more. It was, because uh, keep in mind, the video Nasties was about home video. Yeah. So, oh, it yeah, was... it's like, like, so whatever it did in theaters, uh, it just wasn't allowed to really do at home. Or, you know, if it was allowed to be released at home, they probably had to cut out some of the more violent scenes of the film. Because yeah. usually what ended up happening when they were, when they were allowed to release some of these films that had made the list, it's like, okay, they reset, they cut out the stuff, resubmit for certification, and then usually you just cut some more, more of the violent kills and then it, they can put it out in video. Cool. And I yeah. think that's all I can say, all I have to say about the video nasty part about it. I wanted to bring up the video nasty somewhere in it. I know we got really excited to talk about the movie itself because honestly, Friday the 13th movies, they're fun. In my opinion, they're fun movies. They're a good time. 
They, Even the bad ones are good. Honestly, Jason Takes Manhattan, amazing film. He's barely in Manhattan at all. It's mostly on a boat. It's still very awesome. <laughs> yeah, and Freddy vs. Jason is an amazing movie, and it's cre- and the Friday the 13th movie has created a horror legacy. It's been There's been a million spinoffs and ripoffs of this movie. Like, the countless masked killer oh. movies that have come out since Friday the 13th movies. Oh. And, and I would be... Re- actually, thank Thank you for reminding me. I would be remiss to end this episode without mentioning Sleepaway Camp, the absolute most ultimately shameless ripoff of this movie. It's like, at least in terms of setting and every, it's like, it is just like, okay, killer at a summer camp again, but way more transphobic. That being said, uh, even though it's a deeply transphobic film, I still really like it. And it's a, and I, it's a really fucking funny movie. Yeah. So yeah, if there's one ripoff to watch, it would be Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's all. All I have to say about it. And all right. Yeah. So I suppose until next time, stay nasty. Stay nasty. Yo, we-